Hi. Hi. It's a it's a land sister podcast. Yep. Yep. Um, I was actually thinking about you know earlier today. Uh, we have we have two podcasts, and I was, you know, the first one has already gone out. Pods Burgers it's been shipped. First episode is is out and about. It's in the and ether. It is, and I was thinking we should probably uh, treat these independently. Oh, for sure. Because I mean, who knows? Maybe people will listen to both. I hope, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Totally, you know. Different. You should listen to both. It's true. It, it's it's going to be a good time. Yeah, but there's a there's a different vibe to each of them. Mm-hmm. So you know, you may be into one and not the other. I guess the vibe will be about the same. Yeah. No. I mean, well, the energy anyway, yeah. which is entirely weird. But the topic. Yes. The topic will be different. We will be talking about our own original content in this podcast. Yes. Which is going to be, again, weird. I mean, that's just, that's the word that I use to describe myself all the time. And yeah. that's, that is a good kind of weird. I mean, it's fair. Not a scary kind. No. So why don't you, I mean... We've said before, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I have stories and I'm going to wing it, but why don't you lay out to us, all of us, including me. Yes. What are we doing here? What are we doing? What, what's happening? I mean, yeah, let's do that. Um, so I'm Brittany, by the way. Hi. Nice to meet you. Yeah. We'll introduce ourselves appropriately. That's Jen. I don't know if appropriately is the word, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a second, but I am Jen. That is Brittany. Um, we are sisters. Uh, a lot of people who know us call us the Land Sisters. Because this is a storytelling podcast, I think maybe the Sisters Land mm-hmm. is appropriate for this one. You know, like the Brothers Grimm. Has a little bit more uh, pomp and circumstance. It does. Is that appropriate? Pomp and circumstance? Uh, it's not inappropriate. Okay. Um... But, so, what are we doing here? Uh, so, the the first thing that we should probably talk about is that we have not yet settled on a name for this podcast. By the time you listen to it, you know, God willing, there's a name. Because otherwise, you're going to be listening to something that's called file number three. Let's um, just call it that. <clears throat> that works for me. File number three. Uh, Brittany and I have been talking about names for this podcast, and we have not come to agreement. I think for now, we can just call it by the name, the working title that we have been using, which is You Have a Story. Um, the idea behind it is most people believe that they do not have anything interesting in their life or interesting stories to tell. And it's just not true. It is not true. Um, being storytellers and writers, as Brittany and I are, um, we we find very quickly that people do, in fact, have stories. They just don't realize it. Jen has this thing that she does when she meets new people, and she calls it interviewing them. It's and it's not meant in any kind of critical or trying to pick you apart kind of way, but this is her way of understanding their story. She'll just ask them questions and, you know, I mean, that sounds like a conversation, but it's more than that. People, sometimes they need a bit of drawing out and Jen is particularly adept at that. And one of, and Jen may also be adept at this next thing I'm going to say, but one of the things that I have proud, prided, prided, prouded, (laughs) 
prodded. Proud. <laughs> I am proud of myself about is, um, and people have actually said this to me, when I write um, a lot of times about my uh, everyday life, I, I can make a story out of what appears to be nothing. Um, and I always feel like when you have interactions with other people or you know, something strange happens to you or even just a bad day, that things can be a lot more interesting when you start peeling back the the layers. So, yeah. um, I've been I've been told the same. Um, I think it's I don't think it's so much talent as it is a way that that you look at the world. Yes, that's true. Um, I have a few defense mechanisms that I have developed in my life. And one of them is when something bad happens, I immediately start crafting a story around it because it's something that I, a story that I will get to tell later. And that's kind of how I get through the bad stuff that happens is I, I think of it as a story or it will be, mm-hmm. you know, after the fact. So you kind of have to approach things that way and, uh, you know, the good stuff too, of course. Um, but yeah, this is a... Uh, storytelling mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Brittany and I are going to uh, be the only people telling stories in this particular episode. But going forward, uh, we will have maybe not every episode, although that's the plan. It's just a matter of whether we can find uh, the right people. But we will have uh, guests on to tell their story. And uh, we will have a theme So start thinking about any stories that you might have, y'all listening, and uh, you can email us an idea of a theme if you have a story around it, and maybe we'll invite you to be a part of this podcast. Do you remember what the email address is that people might email us to? Um, I can find it if you want to continue chatting. let's do that. Okay. Okay, so uh, first, let's introduce ourselves. I will go first because Brittany is looking for that email address for all y'all. Um, I'm Jen, as I mentioned. Um, I uh, came to storytelling and a love of the written and spoken word through primarily Brittany uh, as as children. What? That's why. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she. Uh, she sort of uh, led the way. Uh, she she wrote stories. I remember uh, when I was very young, uh, kindergarten, possibly preschool age me, uh, that would have made her kindergarten or uh, first, second grade, um, about Brown Bunny. Yes. Uh, it was, well, it was, it was Mr. Rabbit. Mr. Rabbit. My first full book was written at age six Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was about Mr. Rabbit and Mr. Fox Mm -hmm. and their adventures Mm -hmm. and such. It never occurred to me before I saw the Mr. Rabbit books that Brittany wrote that that was something that, you know, people other than the people who had already written books that were in our house could do. It was, it was kind of mind blowing to me when I discovered that Brittany was writing and so I thought, well, I need to, I need to try this too, as was the case with most things that Brittany did. I also needed to try them. Um, she and I would write books together when we were kids. Uh, I often required inspiration um, and prodding to actually write. 
So Brittany would give me ideas, themes. She would start a book and hand it off to me to finish. Um, she would write, or excuse me, she would draw illustrations in notebooks. Oh man, these were beautiful. And <laughs> I would craft a book around those illustrations and try to create a plot that could follow the lines of the illustrations. And that, that made for some really interesting melodramatic Oh man, these, maudlin. These were. If you want to talk about your stories that you watch, I mean, these were gothic bodice rippers. Well, and okay, well, maybe not bodice rippers, but they were like people being kidnapped yeah. and um, like fires, and all of a sudden somebody had cancer, and it was just yeah. like she went blind. All of these things got her sight back, like in one chapter. Uh, yeah. yeah, she was. Uh, she was a steward. This is all one book, by the way. And, and, oh, I remember this book. <laughs> Sorry. It was called Carousel. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> the other uh, piece of, of this uh, whole puzzle. Sorry. So, Lloyd's my dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to hear a lot of snorfling I mean, and flapping and. Guys. You're, it's like this I'm inviting real. you into my home, and and, and, and my heart that, because I'm in her home. It's true, but part of that is my dog. Um, he he's wearing he's wearing a cone right now. Um, <laughs> he just deflated. He 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 has a skin condition. He's trying to recover from, and that is the saddest thing I have yeah. ever seen. He's uh, he's very melodramatic about it. I'm sure you heard him flop down in the background there. Just keep talking. I'm going to take a picture yeah. real quick. Like, yeah, this is the best. Um, where was it? We were talking about... Oh, the other piece of this puzzle... Good job. <laughs> ...is the oral storytelling. Um, and and I, would, I would venture a guess that Brittany and I came by it the same way. Uh, which is through our father, mm-hmm. who is the consummate storyteller. Yes. Um, I, I like to think that I'm, I'm fairly uh, capable mm-hmm. at the oral storytelling, um, but nobody uh, kind of even comes close to the bar that our father sets. Yeah. He, I, and I'm not sure where he got it, because I don't remember grandpa being particularly no. good at it. I don't mm-hmm. remember grandma. I think probably, I know that he had a public speaking phobia mm-hmm. and probably still does, but manages it very well. Um, and maybe he just learned that his tendency toward dry comedy and um, embellishment and um, slapstick yeah. that he would put into. And the thing is, he would tell these over-the-top stories. Yeah, um, He was raised... And his teen years were in the 1950s. And so, and he lived in Southern California, um, Compton, as a matter of fact, uh, was born in Compton. And uh, he would tell these stories with people who had names like... Fish, although that was later in life, but that's a good example. But like, uh, what were some of his friends' names? I mean, just like you, you think that they just came out of a movie. So when I watch things like Grease, I'm like, oh, that was real life. It's not... Overdone because yeah. my father would tell stories with people who had names like Buck and yeah. you know just um, yeah. So you know to to Brittany's point, I also don't know uh, where this storytelling gift came from, but 
there there are few people that I can just sit still and listen to for as long as they will talk. And my father is one of those people. He has an endless supply of stories and can make any one of them engaging and amazing. Um, and you know, you, you, you're, you kind of grow up with that Mm -hmm. and it just becomes part of your DNA. And, and I think one of the things I find the most interesting about his storytelling is it's good if you're just listening, it's good if you're watching. And Jen and I have joked before that in the event of an apocalypse, you know, I don't have a whole lot of fantastic skills. Like I can't fix engines, I can't hunt, I can't do all of these things. I can cook a little bit, but one of my biggest skills would be to keep people entertained with stories. Yeah. Which is and, important. And, and, to, and to, to hold the history. Mm-hmm. Because that's another thing that I can say about myself is that uh, I, have a, I have a really strong memory. And I have a memory for details. Mm-hmm. And, which um, I do not. So you're going to find me leaning on Jen an awful lot. Yeah, so, uh, you know, should the world end? come find us because mm-hmm. you're going to need us to help you remember all the things. Yes. And I can also sing to your animals. That's yeah. my other, that's my, yeah. Um, I mean, super I don't talent. know. I, I, I can do your makeup. Yeah. <laughs> so that you can be fabulous during the apocalypse. <laughs> I can make your eyeshadow match your gun. It's true. I mean, whatever you need. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so, I mean, well, should I... Yeah, first introduce yourself, then we'll talk about what we're doing here. I, I mean, I kind of wove my introduction into yours, which is pretty much how Jen and I function. And I think most people who know us know that. Any of you who are listening who do not know us, um, I'm going to find that hard to believe at this point, but... Um, also, we're sorry. Yeah. No, I'm not you don't sorry. know us. Oh, yes. I'm definitely sorry about that. Not I'm sorry that you're listening. Keep no. listening. Um, no, for... Uh, we tend to do that kind of back and forth thing. Um, it's taking a lot of my concentration. I don't know if I mentioned this to you yet, Jen, but um, it's taking a lot of my concentration to not devolve into that weird inside joke babbling thing that mm-hmm. we do. People mm-hmm. say Partial a lot. Sentences. Yeah. People say a lot. We have our own language. Which we have legit had people tell us that they won't hang out with us together anymore. Because they don't understand what's going on. Well, alone. I mean, you can't just hang out with us alone. No. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Hang out with us. All We're I'm awesome. saying is. We like you. Come hang out with us. We sure do like you. Anyway. But anyway, uh, so continuing. Yeah. So the way that we talk is a lot of times interwoven and um, adding little bits and pieces to our, each other's stories and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, there's not a whole lot more to say other than, I mean, I'm the older of the two, these two, which were, were the youngest two of five siblings and, um, well, six, if you can, our half sister, but hi Meg, love you. Hi. And so Jen and I, um, I actually have, I've mentioned a, a reasonably poor memory, but I honestly don't, um, I can't think of anything that I've done that doesn't involve Jen. No memories that don't have her in it. Can't think of a time that it would make sense. Like, I don't, we've lived in separate cities exactly once in our entire lives, twice. You lived in Phoenix, I forgot Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. But it was miserable, 
it's just, it's, it's strange the idea to not be near and, and have a close relationship with Jen. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, I love hearing her tell stories about when we were younger because her perception of me is so vastly different from how I perceive myself. I loved Jen because I got to have a friend that would never be mean Mm -hmm. and would never, I mean, we fought occasionally, but it was not very occasionally though. And and it didn't last long stand out in our memories. We can remember these fights that we had because they were so rare. Yeah. And, and it was just, and they were brief. Um, so for me to have a, a buddy and to have somebody who cared, that's really what it was for me. I was like, I'm so lucky that I get this. And she actually, looked up to me, which I thought of myself as awkward and nerdy. And I was, I mean, I thought she was the bee's very knees. Well, let's be real. I think we're both right. I was awkward and nerdy and And the bee's bee's knees. knees. Yes. I, so I mean, I can, I guess I could see it, but and I'm cool with that. I mean, even looking back now, you know, even at pictures of you and, and, and things, I guess, you know, if I, if I look at it from a from a completely unbiased perspective, I could say awkward. Mm-hmm. But I still don't I mean those see knees. That. Seriously, those knobby knees. I don't wow. know. Man. I am all legs. Yeah. I am super giraffe. So I mean that's true. Yes. But um did you find the email? Address? Oh, I did, I did. Um one last thing on, on that note, I just wanted to touch on how I started um oh, yes. writing um and storytelling. Um, for me, and it spins off of what I was saying about nerdy and awkward, um, I realized that, and I don't know when the epiphany came to me, but I realized that when I was uncomfortable with the world, the way that it was, and the way that it treated me, I could make myself into something else and put myself in a world completely under my control. And words obeyed me. They they've always been an instrument that makes sense to me. It's natural. Um, it's just like breathing for me to be able to, I, I've said before, I hate that people think that they can be writers because they can string a sentence together. There's more emotion to it than that. Mm -hmm. I feel like really good writers, whether it's a small or a large hurt have to hurt. Mm -hmm. And for me, nobody, caused me injury except me when I was younger. And I just did not have enough faith in myself. And so I created my own little worlds mm-hmm. and it was lovely. And mm-hmm. I mean, I really legitimately could go anywhere and it made me very happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I started storytelling. And then I started storytelling about real life stuff. Um, probably 20 years ago, it was when my son was first born 22 years then. And I realized that my world had become smaller, uh, mainly because uh, there's so much to do when you are dealing with an infant that um, your focus is all there. And so I would find little nuggets of things that happen throughout my day to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's how I started telling stories Mm -hmm. of the quote unquote ordinary kind. Mm Um, okay, so if you wish to email us and ask any questions or make comments or send love, I like love. Or most importantly, if you have a story yes. that you would like to propose that you share on this podcast. Yes, um, which we encourage, please, please do. 
Um, it's you got stories. That's Y O U got stories all smooshed together at gmail.com. Email us. Yes, please. All right. Please don't send nudes. Oh, please don't. Um, okay. So what we're doing here, um, as I said, there will be a theme each podcast. Also, if you have a story that falls with the theme that we're going to talk about today, please do feel free to uh, send that story along or the fact that you have a story um, to that Gmail address um, because uh, we could read those uh, in the next podcast if we get anything. Um, But we're going to have a theme and we're each going to tell a story um, based on that theme. A couple of things to keep in mind. Um, the, you know, when you're telling a story that's true, I always call them true-ish or mostly true because, you know, nobody has a perfect memory. And I've, I've always said that memory is like looking at something in a mirror because you can never be sure that somebody looking from somewhere else is seeing the same thing that you are. So that's the disclaimer mm-hmm. for anyone who uh, may have been present for any of the stories that are told uh, on this podcast, either by Brittany or me or anybody who's uh, a, a part of this podcast in the future. Um, I just want you to keep in mind that this is, you know, just the story that belongs to the person. So, hey, Jen. Yeah. What's our theme? Our theme this week, this time, mm-hmm. I don't know, is this going to be weekly? I have no idea. This time. Uh, this time is childhood fears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, Jen. Hey, Brittany. Tell me a story. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I'd really love to. Tell me a story. I guess I'm going first. Yes. Um, okay. So childhood fears. Everybody has childhood fears. I don't think there's a child that does not have a fear. Um, If there is a child who doesn't have a fear, I don't want to know that child because they're maybe a sociopath. I I want to point out that I'm not sure where Jen is going to go with this story, but my son and Jen had multiple... (laughs) fears when they grew up. And so, um, I experienced from a sister's perspective as well as a parent's perspective. So it's interesting for me to hear stories that Jen tells. Mm -hmm. Um, I I immediately think of my son when you start speaking of these things. So, so yeah. So as Brittany alluded to, I was a very frightened child. I think if you were to Describe me as a child, frightened would have to come at the very beginning. Um, I was mainly made up of fear. Um, I and was, cookies. <laughs> yeah. Well, when oh, I that's could get true. Them. Yeah. Maybe ding dongs. Yes. We had a lot of ding dongs in our house. Ding dong, yo. Um, so my fears were unusual. Uh, so kids, a lot of times, if you ask them what they're afraid of, they're afraid of the dark or, um, dogs, dogs, you know, which (laughs) those, I wasn't afraid of the dark, oddly enough, but 
um, heights and dogs were mm. two of my fears. Um, most of the fears that you, you can think of, I probably had at one point or another in my life. Um, but I also went into really strange existential places, uh, in my thinking as well as my fears when I was a child. And what's interesting about that, at least to me, is if you know me now, I have almost no fears. Most of the time, I don't feel afraid very often. I can feel anxious. I can maybe feel intimidated depending on the situation, but that doesn't happen very often. But actual fear just is not something I experience very often. So when you uh, experienced this as a child, would you describe it as fear or anxiety that you felt? Uh, Terror. Terror. For the most part. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my fears are very encapsulated today. I still have a fear of heights. It's it's an actual phobia. Um, It's one of the things that I could be maybe the first on my list of things that I would change about myself if I could. And I've tried a lot of different things to get rid of my fear of heights. Um, and a lot of people try to helpfully help me get rid of my fear of heights and nothing has worked. You go at it though, man. I do. You really go at it. I do because, because I've spent so much of my life being afraid I, I try to kill all of those things. Now I think some amount of healthy fear needs to remain. Mm-hmm. But most of my life was defined by fear. Um, and, and this went well into my thirties. Um, I'm now in my forties and I've somewhat gotten, you know, most of it under control and I'm, I'm, I've killed most of those fears, but so I have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. With childhood fears. Did you choose um, just one or are you just going to... I mean, I, I'm going to give kind of an out, out, an outline of some of them, but there's one in particular that oh, I Oh man, I hope today. it's the one I'm thinking of because that one's um, like... I mean, I know it's terrible because poor little Jen was terrified, yeah. but it makes me laugh. Yeah. So. Um, so I remember uh, the very first time I felt really afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, I mean, who knows if babies feel afraid? But when I was very, very, very little, I, it was before preschool, um, because I can describe, and I have described to my mother, the house we lived in at the time. Mm-hmm. And it blows her mind when I describe this house to her. Because you were so young. I was 18 months old when right. we lived there. So it was sometime between 18 months old and preschool that this happened, that I had my first nightmare that I can remember. It involved a dollhouse and these muffins that our grandmother would make that had uh, raisins in them. Do you mm-hmm. remember yep, Grandma Vi's yeah. raisin muffins? And tasty. And the devil. Oh, of course. <laughs> and the dollhouse would spin and there would be evil uh, dolls in it. And then the dollhouse would spin and it would be okay. And then it would spin and it and then the muffins were involved. <laughs> I know. That is creepy. I know. It's kind of like I was born afraid, you know? It's 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 bizarre. Um but <laughs> they spilled the afraid on you. They did. Oh, quick, just ship it. It's it's strange. I'm, I feel really sad for me as a child. No, <laughs> I want to give you a little cuddles. Um 
but you I would mean, be so interesting right now. So let's just leave you the way you are. To be clear, I did have, you know, happiness as a child. I really loved my family. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings and I were very, very close and still are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we had just some amazing experiences, but, um, it was always under kind of underpinned by this anxiety and fear that I had about, you know, life <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I remember, um, in kindergarten, uh, I, I was in the morning session of kindergarten. So my mother would come and get me from kindergarten and bring me home and give me a snack and I remember sitting in the TV room of our beautiful mid-century modern house that we had um, in Southern California when I was in kindergarten. And she would give me toasted coconut as a snack in this little Tupperware bowl. And I had found this little hidey hole between this built-in bookshelf that we had and then this, uh, it wasn't the credenza, but it was a, you know, a, a piece of furniture that was mm-hmm. against the back wall. And I would put a booster seat and I could fit perfectly in this little nook mm-hmm. and watch TV. And I remember sitting there holding my little toasted coconut bowl and eating it with my hands and thinking the deepest existential thoughts <laughs> possible. And I was in kindergarten, but I clearly remember thinking, is there somebody... Is, is this all me or is there somebody in me that isn't me? And what's the me that's out here and the me that's in here? And I'm eating coconut. Oh, child. <laughs> and, and, and all of my fears kind of came from that area where I really overthought everything. Mm-hmm. As Brittany well knows. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember very early on becoming very afraid that people would break in the house and murder me and my family. I would tell Brittany all the time, for some reason, I, 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 the people who were out to get us, I named them the old fogies. Yeah, I know. I remember the old fogies. I don't know why I named them that. No, I, I want to say it was a joke that one of the older siblings, and we just sort of ran with it. And I feel like I made it up, though. Is this... It could be. I mean, it, it could very well be. I, mean, I just remember every I'm time we would see, wrong, but. and I always thought we were joking. I mean, I guess you were to some degree, but we would see like a There's a, a bit van. of truth in every joke. Yes. No, it's true. Um, but it's funny because uh, people always talk about how the 70s and 80s and like, you know, way back when was so much safer and kids Mm -hmm. could go play Mm -hmm. out and like ride their bikes and everything. And kids were getting fucking murdered and like tortured up and down all over the seventies and eighties. So I don't know what the fuck everybody was thinking, but, um, sorry, I've had wine. So that means my F word. It's going to be lots of F's. You guys went way up, but, um, strap in. So we would like every time a van would drive by, we'd be like, "Oh, look out! It's the old fogies." And mm-hmm. I was always joking, but you know, mm-hmm. I guess deep down, poor little Jennifer was just like sweating yeah, that the old fogies were going to get us. Yeah, the old fogies were going to break in and and kill us and and kill the family. And I was also. It looks like Brittany wants. Oh no! This. I was. I was just. It suddenly occurred to me that this probably is where your. Um, fondness for true crime novels came from. Yes. And this is what I was going to say is that I was not only afraid that they would break into the house and kill us all, but I, you know, I was afraid, you know, that, you know, I was walking from the 
classroom to the bathroom and somebody was going to kill me. And I think that came from the fact there, there's a couple of different things. Um, I want a cookie. Somebody's going to kill me. Exactly. I'm going um, to the bathroom. Our mother was always very um, uh, open with us about the terrible things that could happen to us. <laughs> oh, um, she wasn't just open. She would like, okay, you're going where? Let me give you an exhaustive list of all of the things. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just, this is what could happen. It was, this is what is going to happen. So you so, need to be prepared. Just know that. Um, and so we'd have to roll out and riot gear all the time. Yes. So. And for some reason, anytime our mother would hear about a particularly, uh, I don't want to say gruesome, although that was part of it, but you know, a crime, sensational crime. She wanted to, she wanted to talk about it. And I don't remember necessarily her talking directly to us about it when we were kids, when we got older, she wanted to talk to us about it. But I certainly remember her talking to her friends about it and not really paying um, attention to who was around. You know, yeah. it's not that she didn't care because I think our mother always cared about us, but but to some degree didn't care that we were there. You know, I, I have a very clear memory of sitting at a barbecue at a friend's, a family friend's house. And... I remember her with a, a, a bunch of ladies uh, that she knew talking about the hi-fi murders mm. that happened mm. in Ogden mm. here in Utah, Sorry. which are horrible, horrible. And I'm not going to get into it, but I mean, the circumstances of what went down during those murders are some of the, and, and I know a lot about, there's, a, there Definitely are some things that I know a lot about, but there's nothing I know more about than true crime. And I can tell you that there are few crimes that are more disturbing that I know about than the hi-fi murders. And definitely not something that small children should be overhearing. Exactly. Yes. And I, and I clearly remember her, them going into detail about, you know, the different things that happened. And she knew I was there because I was sitting on her lap. (laughs) reminds me of that. I'll have to tell that story here in a minute. Okay. It just reminds me again. I'm going to my son, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. I have a story. Oh (laughs) yeah. I know the story. Not as bad Um, as that. No, no, no. So I, I think, I think a couple of things played in there. I think part of it was, um, that she maybe didn't think that we were internalizing the things we were hearing to the degree that at least I was, I can't say about it. She probably didn't know she had this, existential I mean who would <laughs> prodigy right I mean it's bizarre with her bowl of coconut <laughs> um, I always remember that bowl of coconut um but I think the other part of it um that 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 kind of played into that um whole thing was my mother has always been emphatic for as long as I can remember that she absolutely would not lie to her children to the degree that it was <laughs> It was kind of damaging. I remember as a child, you know, a lot of people have anxiety about their parents dying. Mm -hmm. And because of who I was as a child and I was afraid of everything, that was another one of my intense fears was particularly my mother dying. Right. Um, I loved my father and all, but I was very attached to my mother. Um, And I remember I would say to her, so you're not going to die, right? And she would say, well, I can't promise you that. And it was so disturbing to me. And I would say, I would say, but, but you're not right. And she would say, well, I don't, 
I don't think I'm going to die right now, but I can't tell you I'm not going to die because what if I do? And then I will have lied to you. She (laughs) said that? Yes. Oh my Lord. And it was always, even back then as a kid, I would think, can you not just tell me you're not going to die and just leave it at that? I see. And again, from the, from the other perspective, Elliot would ask me similar questions, not about me going to die or anything, but he would always ask these absolutes. And I understand that. Will I throw up? Yes. And I'm like, I can't, I can't tell you you won't. And then if you do, you'll be absolutely livid with me, Mm -hmm. you know, so I have no control over you. And never believe me again. Your gastrointestinal system. I'm sorry, Elliot. I'm sorry. So for me, it was For the record, he almost never threw up. Oh, yeah. No, he's like, I, I don't know. It was... Anyway, phobias. Phobias is all I have to say. And I, I realize that there there's a certain level of nurturing that you need to give to a child. But for me, it wasn't that I didn't want to... That I, was like, I will absolutely never lie to you because obviously I'm going to try and never lie to my children. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was more of a... I don't want this to become a trust thing. If I promise on my life, you are not going to throw up and then you throw up. What does that do yeah. to our relationship? So I anyway, mean, but how, but, but really what does it do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, and I just didn't want him to feel like I'd betrayed him. Yeah. And to be fair, I am not a parent. So right. I, 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 I've I never would been... probably have told him, no, I'm not going to die. If yeah. it were that kind of a, a conversation. Yes. So anyway, so, The other piece that I was going to say, and this isn't even my main fear, but that's okay because we can go as long as we want then and edit edit it down. But the other piece of why I was so obsessed with somebody's going to kill us or somebody's going to kill me was because of Reader's Digest drama in real life. Oh my God. I completely, there were like two sets of those. They would do the drama in real life in another series. I would look for those in every one. So our mother obsessively subscribed to Reader's Digest Mm -hmm. and you know, they had the, you know, the little like, like true story joke. Mm-hmm. you know, stories that people would submit. And I always loved those mm-hmm. and I always read those. And there were, you know, the different um, types. Um, I can't remember what they're called, but what they were called, but there were like several different in that yeah. series. Yeah. But the thing that I loved the most about Reader's Digest was drama in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And drama in real life was essentially the written form of an, a show that I became obsessed with later in life called I Survived. And drama in real life was generally a first-person account, although sometimes it was a third person. But it it was an account of some dramatic, terrible thing that had happened to somebody in life, in real life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Drama. And it was either something like they were... Um, hiking and they hurt themselves and they had to somehow get down off the mountain or they were in a car accident and trapped in their car and they had to get out. Or my favorites, which sounds terrible, but the ones that I sought out and also hated, but read obsessively Mm -hmm. were the ones about people who had been attacked Mm -hmm. in some way and had ended up surviving the attack. Right. And I just consumed those just rabidly, you know, and that fed into this whole... Someone's going to get you? No one is ever safe. Yeah. 
you know, something terrible could happen at any moment kind of a thing. Fun fact, Jen has traumatized me with stories of I survived (laughs) on more than one occasion. Another fun fact, I uh, used to watch it obsessively. I, I would, I would, um, DVR five or six, and then I would just watch them back to back. And I believed oh them to be life affirming, which to some degree I still believe because there are these people who were going through the most horrible things you can imagine. And didn't give up. I, I and dig still it. were just I dig ready it. to just keep going to do anything to live. But I, I went back and tried to watch an episode about two years ago and couldn't make it through the episode. Was this the tissue in the hook hand one? No. Okay. I mean, that one was... I still can't get on an escalator without having there was terrible... A, there was oh, a terrible, gnarly. terrible gnarly. I survived about an escalator. Gnarly. You don't think that you could have a really intense extended conver- or story about an escalator, oh, but you can. Jesus Christ. You can so many things it and she was out. like okay i'm done and then she just keep going and i'm like jen why and why? it was on fire and and hair just getting yanked out and it was awful bodies awful. so anyway this was jen when she was younger <laughs> terrible um okay so so you know that kind of is a, is an outline of you know sad uh, you know I, I i had a great happy you know childhood uh, but also just a lot of fear and anxiety. Um, I think if you were to go back and look at my childhood and say, okay, what are the fears that really stand out as bizarre? There are two of them, and one of them on its face is not bizarre because a lot of children have this fear, and that was my my phobia of vomiting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember. I have a story about that one. I have a story. <laughs> but <laughs> did you want to tell it right now? No, no, oh. no, I don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, th- my fear of vomiting is uh, stands out because it was to such a... a an intense degree mm-hmm. that it, it actually changed from a phobia of vomiting, which I don't know if there's a real name for the phobia. There, phobia there of, must be of vomiting. We should look it up. Yeah. Um, but it actually changed from a phobia of vomiting to uh, agoraphobia, which is the fear of leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Somehow, in my mind as a child, I had assigned that if I left the house. I was much more likely to vomit mm-hmm. <laughs> than if I was at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, they actually pulled me out of school um, when I was in first grade for a period of time. And um, it's an em- emetophobia. Emetophobia. Thank you, archivist. Fear of, fear of vomiting. This is Christopher, the archivist, <clears throat> is behind us here. Yes. Yeah, so. Um, so, because I, I would go to school and then I would immediately feel like I needed to come home because I was so anxious. Well, and um, when you're anxious, you feel like you're going to throw up. Yes. So. So, I mean, that one, like I said, a lot of kids have that fear. Um, I just took it to an extreme. Um, but the other fear. I'm so excited. <laughs> that I had, that I can safely say. <laughs> 
maybe less than 1% of children in the world have had this fear ever. Maybe. We haven't interviewed them. It's entirely possible I'm the only child who ever had this fear. I don't think so. Um, But I love it. And, I mean, I have witnesses. You all are not going to believe me. But I think probably my most intense fear that I had as a child was a fear of astral projection. Yes. (laughs) Yes, accidentally astral projecting. I was just paralyzed with fear at the idea of astral projection. I remember you didn't really talk about it a lot, but you mentioned it to me because you would say things to me. And I remember in my head thinking, like, I was expecting, like, anything. (laughs) Literally fucking anything other than astral projecting. I and mean, you, and rightly so. And you sounded so, I don't even know how to say it, not necessarily sad and not ashamed and not afraid, but maybe a combination. And I'm like, what do, what do I say to her right now? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I was like, no, I rem- sh- you won't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to explain a little more because I know this doesn't make sense to the people that are listening. Like, like what about, I'm going to get into all of that, but let me say this. I do remember saying something about it to Brittany and also our older brother, Rob, who the three of us uh, hung out a lot. Um, and also our older brother, Jim, I never said anything to him about it, but he hung out with us a lot as right. well. So you, you will hear a lot about Rob and Jim um, throughout this podcast. But um, I remember actually bringing it up to Brittany. And then another time when Rob and Brittany and I were all hanging out, bringing it up again. And I remember how much it took for me to actually mm-hmm. bring it up because I was ashamed of it. I knew that it was a strange thing to be afraid of, mm-hmm. but I was so scared and so anxious about it yeah. that I needed somebody else. I needed to talk to somebody else about it. I needed somebody else to tell me some yeah, way to deal with what I was feeling about this. Like, I, I don't know if this is something that I just thought of when I was younger or or if it's something that I actually proposed to you, but I remember saying, well, if I put my arm, my hand on your arm while you're asleep, that will make you remember to stay in your body or something along those lines. I was just like, what can, like, I I legit was like, how can I keep her from astral projecting? (laughs) I I mean, it's something you have to consider. I know. And so I just... It's something you have to consider when you have... A Chil- sister like or Jennifer. <laughs> Just anybody who doesn't have children right now, I need you to think about this. Because this is a real thing that you have to be gentle but firm. I mean about. it depends on the child, right? Like Yes. And 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 let me let me just let me be really clear about this. My fear of astral projection. I'm sorry. Started when I was about six. I know, I know. This is so. It's not like I was 15. (laughs) Okay, so not only did I understand astral projection and what it was, but I had considered it long enough that I had developed an active and intense fear of astral projection. (laughs) 
Okay, I have to ask this though. No, so when you maybe you're going to get to this, but I'm going to ask it, and you can say, "Wait, yeah, wait, wait." Um, when you were afraid of astral projecting. <laughs> Were you afraid you would go somewhere scary or not be oh, able I'll to come get, back? Trust okay. me, I'm going right, to get into cool. all of that. All right, here we so, are. So um, there might be a weird jump cut there. I had to pause and feed my dog. But, you know, again, real life. you got to take care of things. So when we left you... <laughs> Jen was afraid to astral project. Yeah, so in the break, Chris, who was our archivist, told... Uh, told me that he was looking for a name of a phobia of astral projection, and the only thing he could find was tips for people who want to astral project and are afraid to do it and how mm-hmm. to overcome that. No information about, uh, you know, people who are afraid they'll do it. <laughs> Accidentally. Like, that's so. what I always pictured when you would say this, like, you were like, did you, were you worried you were going to lay down too hard and just pop straight out of your body or, you know. So... So yeah, I guarantee you, those of you listening, when when I said, you know, my next fear, astral projection was not even on the <laughs> That's list. That's what I'm saying. When you said, I, you know, I need some, I need some comfort, or you know, I remember how you like broached the topic with me, but it was just like, I'm like, oh, here she comes. She's got an, an astral projecting. I was like, yeah. knives, you know, I, I don't know, anything, anything no, but that. no. I, and there, maybe there isn't a name for it because it's very There's got to be. I'm going to do some more research on this. So, um, so anyway, um, as I said, this fear started very early in my life. I was about six, was it maybe a- seven, but I think I was six-ish when I first... Um, became aware of astral projection. Did you read it in a drama in real life? No. So, so I came of age in primarily the eighties. And, um, those of you who are of a certain age may remember, um, a time period when Shirley MacLaine was very well known for her new age beliefs. And I, I think it primarily came from, from that, um, just knowing, about, uh, you know, pop culture. And for some reason I've always absorbed pop culture almost by osmosis. Um, I don't seek it out, but for some reason I, you know, have just always been able to just kind of rattle off these weird things about celebrities. And Shirley MacLaine in the eighties was very into new age of all different kinds, reincarnation, um, any of that weird, I shouldn't say weird, uh, non-mainstream. Yes. Um, unusual, unusual belief system, particularly for that time period. Because if you remember America in the eighties was all about, you know, not that it's not now, but it was all about kind of the more mainstream yeah. uh, Christian. The the Ronald Reagan era. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very. Ronald Reagan. It was very strange and it, it was newsworthy, you know, how strange she was. And she would talk about astral projection. And I don't actually remember if she said she astral projected herself. Mm-hmm. Or if it was just a concept that, you know, she was fascinated with or whatever. But um, 
to come back to our mother, uh, so so Brittany and I uh, were raised in an LDS home. Um, That's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. You know the Mormons. Yes. Um, and neither one of us practice now. And and I need to be clear that you know I'm going to go into a little bit of of the theology that we were raised with. Um, I am not anti-Mormon per se. Nor are we spokespeople for in, in any way for this religion. No. So. <laughs> um, neither side of it. Um, I, uh, there are certain you know, uh, tenets and beliefs that I don't subscribe to, therefore I don't practice anymore. But um, we also were, very, were raised in a very unusual LDS home. And let me explain. Um, there were certain aspects to the way that we were raised and the the philosophies that we were taught that were very liberal mm-hmm. from an LDS standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother would overtly say that she didn't like feminism, but she would teach us feminism very much so. Mm-hmm. I think it was just in the many term. Ways. Yes. Yeah, in many ways. I think it was just the term that kind of bothered her. Yeah, and in, again, in the 80s, the term feminism had a very particular type of there was a stereotype associated yes. with it etc and and we i know you know now looking back that we've always been feminists yeah always yeah um and and you know her her views on uh uh race and and uh gender and uh sexuality and things like that were very liberal mm-hmm. from an lds standpoint um but then there were other ways in which our mother was intensely fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. which is also not a typical hallmark of the LDS faith. Yeah, it's no. They're- the LDS faith has some things that are really intense, but for the most part, it's about forgiveness and redemption and eternal progression and all of that. Yes. So, it's the softer side of... <laughs> to some degree. Yes. Um... And, but, but our mother, um, her, her viewpoint was way more of the devil in the night chair mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. if you guys know you're Hieronymus Bosch, mm-hmm. um, it was very intense, very, you know, you better watch out or the demons are going to get you. Like one like, of those, even a bad thought is a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. And my mother was very preoccupied with demons. Yes. She talked about them a lot. Mm -hmm. And she talked about how thinking about them could bring them to you. And and so at some point, she communicated to me that if you astral projected, demons could then enter your body. Ah, while you were away. Yes. Like, ill, absolutely. You had your vacancy sign out. The squatter's rights. <laughs> and. I'm just going to get comfy down in here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like if you were at a park mm-hmm. and there were only so many picnic tables. Yeah. And you left the picnic table and the demons were like, that is an empty picnic table. Best astral projecting analogy ever. <laughs> they would just jump on that. Yeah. Because they need a place to, you know, have their party. With KFC and Hostess cupcakes. That was always picnics when we were kids. Um, So there was that part of it that concerned me. (laughs) 
Well, sure. as you can imagine. But here's the thing. I remember thinking... <laughs> what small child would be like NBD <laughs> about demons in their yeah. body, so... I remember thinking really hard about, okay, if I astral project and I come back and there's demons... <laughs> Parting it up. Doors open. Creak. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, you like you come back and you open the door and the demons are like, <laughs> it's a record scratch. <laughs> They're in there playing all your records and shit. Um, Wearing your underpants. <laughs> Terrible. Um, <laughs> That's the worst that demons can do in my world. <laughs> Play your records and wear your underpants. That sounds like my kind of party. Dude, man, stay away from my records and my underpants. Um, so, you know, I, I always thought, okay, what does that mean? Does that mean that, that I then, I'm back in my body and also I have demons? <laughs> and what does that mean? Or does that mean, like, there's no room? Like, I can't get back in? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to, like, kick it outside of my body forever, mm-hmm. which if I had thought really hard about it when I was a kid, I probably would have realized that, you know, yeah, I want my body, but I can go anywhere. Right. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, but like, you couldn't hang out with me. You can go see. I, I have to hang know. out with your dumb demon body <laughs> and you. <laughs> dumb demon body. <laughs> um, just, like, damn it. Just a body weirdest just, kid just in the lousy with demons. <laughs> um, so there was that piece of it. And that was that was probably the, the the biggest part. But here's the thing about it is um I think to some degree, like deep down, I really <laughs> Oh god. I really wanted to astral project. <laughs> Maybe you should have read the article that Chris found. <laughs> but I was so scared about it that there was a part of me that was like, you want you really want to try because it, it Dude, it sounds righteous. Super fun. I mean, it sounds amazing. Yeah. And I think because I, you know, as a child, you know, having so many fears as I did, and also, um, you know, being the youngest of five kids, and we didn't always have a lot of money and uh, to be able to do the things that, you know, kids dream about doing. And I had medical issues. Um, I had some pretty intense migraines and things. So the idea of being able to just like slough all of that off and just hit it and be able to go and see amazing things and be completely free to do that, I think subconsciously really appealed to me. And I think yeah. that's where it started was you're worried that you're, you're going to want it enough that you'll yes. astral project and then you'll have these squatter <laughs> demons who are like cooking shit over a shopping cart on your body front lawn. <laughs> They're waiting. They're no, waiting. They're I like, know. I prime know. Real estate. <laughs> um, That's so, what mom wanted you to think. And and here's the thing. I need to be clear because I feel kind of bad even, you know, sharing this in a public forum because I don't want people to think my mother, you know, it probably shouldn't have been, you know, telling us the things that she did. But I think her intentions were. Oh pure. yeah, no, she. Absolutely I think she. Did she not genuinely. Mean yeah, I think she mm-hmm. genuinely wanted us. I don't think that she had any consideration that we would actually astral project. Well, <laughs> and then again, 
I honestly feel like she probably didn't realize the level of intellect she was dealing with in some of these situations. I mean, and I'm not saying we're brilliant. We're pretty fucking brilliant. But but I think she didn't understand exactly how much you were absorbing. I really don't. I mean, and that's totally fair because you you can never really... like. <laughs> I think about the kids that I know and ha- and being a younger uh, a youngest child and not ever really being around kids younger than than I was. Mm-hmm. I never really had reference of what it is to be around kids that were the age that I was when these things happened. Right. Until, you know, like Elliot right. was born or I've seen friends children. Um so I, I can totally see myself sitting down with Sam's son, my my friend Sam's son who's six and being like not like talking to him you know about what, it. Not dude, like having you're a not gonna ask or project. But like no matter how much you think you can accidentally. But I can see like you and I having a conversation in front of him and him asking me about it and me just giving him a throwaway like yeah. some people think that if you ask for project, you know, that it leaves your body open to things or whatever, you know? And not thinking that he's gonna take that and completely like, yeah, run, oh, with, run it. with it. Yeah. Like I ran sure. with it. Um so that's totally fair. And, and then fucking Shirley McLean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Um, so here's the other thing about it though, is I was so afraid of it that I didn't want to know more about it. You know, anytime there was any talk of anything like that, I would shut down and I would leave and I would, you know, try to distract myself so that, and, and let me be clear in the eighties, there was a lot of talk about stuff like that. It's not like, it's not like now, like you'd have to seek out astral projection information for some reason the 80s was was a was a hotbed of astral projection <laughs> so at least it was to me um but if i had it's not like i knew how to do it is what i'm saying mm-hmm. and 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 then, so you didn't know if you weren't doing it <laughs> no it's not even that it was that the only thing that i really understood about astral projection was that you went into a meditative state to the point where your consciousness separated from your physical body. Right. So in my mind, because I was so young, that mm-hmm. was falling asleep. Right. Or it was relaxing a lot. Mm-hmm. So then that became attached to, I had really bad insomnia mm-hmm. when I was a child mm-hmm. as well, because I was worried that if I got too relaxed, I'd astral project. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember Brittany specifically and my mother both telling me people work really hard to be able to get to a point where they can do this and i remember my mother saying there's actually no proof that people have ever done cuz how do you prove that right right um there have been accounts of people that have talked about things that they had no way of witnessing right that have said, well, I astral projected to get there. So whether astral projection is actually a thing or not, I actually don't know enough about That's it. That's not what we're here to do. Yeah. I have no idea if somebody can actually astral project or not. What I know though, is when I was six years old trying to fall asleep, I, I wasn't going to, right. I know that now. And I remember you guys telling me that, but I also remember thinking, well, they don't know. You know, they don't really know because they don't know enough about astral projection. Right. And I'm kind of that way, not about astral projection, but today is um, even if I 100% believe somebody is... And trust them. And trust them. Yeah. And they're intelligent and they've never lied to me that I know of. Or, you know, if they have, it's been little white lies because everybody lies. Come on. Um, 
I feel like I have to get to somebody who is an expert in it Mm -hmm. before I will believe it. So again, where was I going to get that? Like super Elliot, everything. (laughs) Were we going to find, you know, were we, were we going to go to Shirley MacLaine? Actually, if, if she had taken me to Shirley MacLaine, you would have, it would have helped. Yeah. Yeah. It really would have helped because it would have helped me, man. I'd be like, (laughs) can we sing? Let's chat a little bit. So, um, also I need to say that for a really long time, and I'm talking well into my thirties, this fear of mine wasn't, was very shameful to me. I wouldn't talk about it. Really? I didn't want people to bring it up. Um, it was, is it okay that I find it amusing now? Oh yeah. It's hilarious. Okay. But, but I've come to a point where I've distanced myself enough from fear in general that I can look at it and say, a, so sad for mm-hmm. that little girl who had to, because it was, it was a long time. It was years mm-hmm. and it was very intense. I mean, it was, it was insomnia. It was, uh, stomach aches. It was, you know, it was yeah. just, it was kind of, uh, there were periods of my life where that defined me, mm-hmm. you know, not just that fear, but fear in general, um, but it is so strange. It is such a weird thing to be afraid of that. I mean, I looked at it and I thought, what a freak, like what a freaky little kid. Like that's so embarrassing and so shameful. But I finally came to a point where I, I kind of, I had to embrace it because that all of that has made me who I am and given me perspective of, of everything else. And, and I think it's actually really an interesting thing it, about me it now. absolutely is, and I think one of the things that um, helps in embracing something that like that that you would feel ashamed of for being quote unquote weird um, is that it's never just about. It's not like you woke up one day and you were like, "I'm afraid I'm going to astral project." There are so many threads that feed into a particular phobia that gets you to the point where you are not sleeping and, you know, all of these kinds of things. So for me, um, yeah, you don't want to sit here and like psychoanalyze all of the weird shit that was going on in your little brain. But, um, I was a weird kid, like so incredibly introverted, worse than anything that I've ever experienced or spoken to anybody experiencing before. Um, and it was hard for me to, be okay with that because, um, people live, live their lives and they, they go camping and they go swimming and they go on vacation and they go to school and they have a laugh with their friends. And that was not my life. My life was never a series of one, two, three, four, this is how life is. And you know, it never, ever, ever was. So for me to just kind of look back at that and say, this is not just, I'm a weirdo. This is a culmination of things That's what's important. But I think that was part of where the shame came in for me was I looked at other people's lives and to some degree, you know, you never know what's going on inside. Cause I sure, think, no. I think if anybody had known me as a child, you know, I was super cute mm-hmm. and precoci- precocious and, you know, whatever. And I think that they would look at me and be, and, and think, you know, maybe she has some fears. She's fine. Oh, what but, an imagination. Yeah, yeah. But not really understand what was happening. So to some degree, it's just perception. But to, to another extent, it is, it really is 
this isolating thing that makes you different from other people. Because like, like we were talking about, you know, Chris, the archivist couldn't even find a name for it. And it is so strange Mm -hmm. and it's not like kids my own age, right? Any good friends that I had or anything, I couldn't sit down with them and be like, do you ever, are you ever afraid to go to sleep at night because you're afraid your consciousness will separate from your physical body and then maybe demons will come but in? But then again, maybe you could have. And whether or not that kid could actually say, yeah, they could at least say, well, that's interesting. Maybe we should, you know, yeah. tell me about it. But most little kids... No, they wouldn't. I mean, I had... I can think of two or three friends that I had when I was younger that looking back on it now, I probably could have talked to them about it. And they may not have been able to empathize, but they would have sympathized. Right. Um, But you don't know that when you're a kid. You just, it's so isolating. It's like you're, it's like you're behind this glass and you can see all of the normal people on the other side and you're back here and you're just thinking, well, you know, I knew it wasn't normal to be afraid of what I was afraid of. Yeah. But I didn't know how to stop being afraid of it. Yeah. And nowadays it's like, if I... (laughs) If I'm trying to go to sleep and I astral project, I'm going to be like, holy crap, I'm going to Greece. Yeah. You know? it's yeah. Like, it's it's going to be fine. Demons take care of that body. <laughs> it's so that was uh, that was mine. Mm-hmm. Um, my story about childhood fears. Top that one. No. Any of you. Maybe, uh, maybe we should have <laughs> ended with that one because honestly... When when you gave me this topic, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've got so much to say. And then I started actually thinking about it and writing notes and all this. And then I was like, this is going to be like one super bummer of a podcast because... No, it's been funny so far. No, it has been. But for me, I don't have one of those astral projecting kind of fears. Because who does? Well, I know, but that's what I'm saying is, so for me, I was like, okay, listen, the whole point of this podcast is there's a story whether or not you think there's one there. So I just put down a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, let's talk about this one topic. Um, So like, again, like you, I did a variety of things that I remember causing me distress when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, from the very mundane all the way up to some of the deeper stuff. Um, I remember um, when I was a child, the first time I would, I I have a lot of very vivid memories of walking into or sitting in a room and somebody else is watching television and something distressing is on the television Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it stays in my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one where... I remember I was playing with my, for you 80s kids out there, I was playing with my um, Weeble Wobble haunted house. Do you guys remember Weeble Wobble? That haunted house was just incredible, they by the way. They weeble and they wobble, but they don't fall, fall down. Is that? Yes. Yes. Weeble Wobble. And the thing know, is, anyway. they had like their accessories in their house and everything were really cool, but the Weeble Wobbles themselves were no, bullshit. They were like, I, I really hated them. But the art was dumb. <laughs> but anyway, and I also had a weird thing about art when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> oh, God, we were pretentious. <laughs> but not on purpose. No. But I don't know what happened to us. <laughs> so anyway, I'm I'm sitting in a room and I don't know who was in. I I, I want to say Dad was just like dozing on the couch like he would do sometimes, and it was one of those Saturday afternoon things where it would switch from the lighthearted stuff into uh, reruns of B movies and stuff. And the movie that was playing was um, 
uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. And as you recall, this has the actress from um, Better Off Dead. I don't actually remember this movie. Better Off Dead, the mom. Oh. She was the main character in this movie. Anyway, uh-huh, it, uh-huh. it's this movie. She was in True Grit, kids. Yes. The original. She was. Um, she is a woman who is in this house that has been, there's, they're possessed by these little creatures that live in the walls. And at the end, like nobody believes her and all of this. And at the end, they end up drugging her. And the little creatures come out and trip her with a phone cord mm. and tie it around her ankle and are dragging her down into their little lair. Mm-hmm. And this is how it ends. What? Yes. Really? So she's get, she is dragged I mean, is that, into the wall. And, yes. No, is that it, legit. actually or just in your memory? No, legit. That's how it ends. So this is happening. And I'm just like focused on my Weeble Wobbles. <laughs> This is making me so sad. See, this is why I'm telling you. My stories are sad. I don't want to make anybody sad. But it, these are the kind of things that I have vivid memories of. Just flashes of movies and commercials that cost me issues. But here's um, the thing. I have... I'm super protective of the people that I love. Mm-hmm. And there are a few people I love more than Brittany. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times I ask her just to stop telling me these stories. Well, okay, but I can't they, stop telling know, you because that's the point. Because I've done this to myself now. Yes. It's fine. So, I can anyway, get through this. Um, one of the things that I remember having a fear of that extended for, I don't know how long, days, weeks, um, I saw a part of, and I don't even remember which one it was. It wasn't the original The Blob. <laughs> this is the one. So Brittany and I were talking about this podcast podcast earlier, and we try not to talk about what we're going to talk about so, so that we can fresh. have the conversation here. Yeah. But I told her that I have a memory of one thing that she was afraid is this of. It? I don't know if you're going to go exactly there, but I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. All right. So you're kind of getting there. If I touch on it, you let me know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so, um, but it wasn't the original, the blob. It wasn't the remake that they made in the eighties. So I looked it up and it's like son of the blob or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. All I know is in this movie, one of the pivotal points was you could stop the blob by making it cold. You had to freeze it in order to stop it. Mm Because if it kept eating and moving, it Mm -hmm. would just consume everything. Mm Mm-hmm. So in my head, I was like, well, I can't make things cold. So I convinced myself that it was afraid of light. Mm -hmm. And so when I was younger, I don't know if you remember our bedroom in California. Mm -hmm. um, And we had a nightlight that was behind our chest of drawers. Mm -hmm. And it cast shadows out from under the chest of drawers. And when I had to get up in the middle of the night, I would make sure to step in the light Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was cast from the um, nightlight. Because I knew the blob couldn't get me yep. in that way. Like the blob was just hanging out in our bedroom, mm-hmm. ready to eat up. So that was like one thing. And then I was like, okay, well, there was that whole stint where, and I, I was I talking to you about this earlier today. I love it. And it's not like I was actually legitimately afraid that if I walked out the door, <laughs> a wolverine was going to jump at my face. <laughs> But there was a time when I like when I first heard about wolverines and people described them as ferocious and all of this and and I was like, wow, that sounds like it's a it's a real bitch, you know. <laughs> so so for a while it was that like wolverines. On, that went on for a while though, and it wasn't like a paralyzing fear. I remember no, it, it was wasn't. just it was, was like it was more like boy howdy, I wish I I hope I don't run into a wolverine in my life. Yeah, so. and it was more kind of like you thought. Wolverines were bitches. Yes. And you just like, yes. 
you, what you was were the thing? more kind of like put off by them. Yes, <laughs> yes. But you said that at one point I had to write down something for like a school project or whatever that was, what's something that you don't like or that you hate? And I wrote down. Yeah, it I was wrote a, down Wolverine. Yeah, it was a profile of Brittany, and it was like, you know, I have, you know, four brothers and sisters, and I live in California. And and I remember that you brought it home, and I, you weren't present at the time. I don't know where you were, but um, Mom had picked it up and was reading it, and then Dad came over, and they were kind of going through it, and everything was normal. <laughs> It was like, I love horses, and I like to dance. And then it was like, one thing I don't like is wolverines. And here's the thing. Wolverine (laughs) is, like, well-known now. Right. Because of the comic book and the movies and things like that. It was a thing back in the, well. It it was, but it, but. Not as broadly known. Geek culture was not as broadly known. Yeah. Yeah. And even though we had geek culture in our house, I wasn't aware of the character of Wolverine. The fact that a child as young as you were was, <laughs> you know, invoking Wolverines was really strange. Well, you recall that we would read the encyclopedia. So I probably read about Wolverines in the encyclopedia and was like, those I, sound like bitches. I Seriously. never really did understand what it was about Wolverines specifically. Well, and, I, you, and you're but. like, oh, well, that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, it never... That one didn't transfer to yeah. me. I was, I was, I was okay with Wolverines. Yeah, that's good. That's good because you know they're fine. They're not going to come after us. Yeah. But again, I think about that, and I think about my fears of um, wild animals. And it's not like I'm paralyzed by the fear or anything. But you remember recently when I went on that hike by myself mm-hmm. earlier this year, mm-hmm. and I ran into a coyote unexpectedly, yeah. and. And I was like, oh, that's, I mean, coyotes, they're small, not particularly scary. But when you come across one like that suddenly and that close to you, mm-hmm. it can kind of remind you all of the sounds you're hearing around you could be yeah. like we have, we have mountain lions and we have like snakes and yeah. all kinds of terrible things that, and I just go wandering through the wilderness by myself. Meanwhile, because of I survived, I'm thinking about like all of the like, crazy killers right and attackers which you should you're just up on the mountain the old fogies it was the coyote was the coyote was actually trying to get away from the old fogies and then she's like fuck (laughs) this bitch again it was it was actually signaling for help (laughs) and i was like peace out (laughs) took off down the mountain poor coyote i know i feel bad now i'm sorry so um, Wild animals eating me. Yeah, there's... Um, Again, you can't reason with them. Like, no, no I don't taste good. No. There was a time um, that I was on a trail uh, and I was running. I was running back down. And I was coming around. And I ran around this one particular corner and there was a snake right in the middle of the trail mm-hmm. as I ran around the corner. And I'm actually not afraid of snakes. I've never been afraid of snakes. Mm-hmm. That's notable because most things you talk about but I've been afraid of. But you have to know how to point. react to the wild variety. Well, here's the thing about it. The reason why this one, this moment troubled me so much was in, in that moment, there was this very clear thought of, I know how to react to a bear. I know what I'm supposed to do if it's a mountain lion. I have no idea right. with a snake. That was me. Am I supposed the... to run? Am I supposed to hold still? I don't 
That no. was me with the coyote, which yeah. at the time I had translated into a wolf in my head, but yeah. it, it was not even close to big enough. <laughs> I mean, so, so so I ran up on the snake and I stopped. And again, I don't know enough about snakes to even know the, you know, I know if it has a rattle, it's poisonous. But other than that, I have. Well, I don't want to be bitten by any of them. It no, <laughs> it was bright green. Yeah, I'm sure um, it was not. And I'm, I'm sure it was fine. I'm sure it was not, you know, venomous. Venomous? Venomous, yes. Um, but I stopped, and it was sunning itself, and it raised its head, and it looked at me, and we just kind of looked at each other for a few seconds. It's actually poignant. And then I... Got bitten. So, yeah, <laughs> no. You'd know. Okay. Um, I slowly just kind of put one foot back, and then another, and I just kind of yeah, backed they- as slowly as I could back up the trail, and... The snake sort of came up a little more. It was, I, again, I don't know enough about snakes, but it was kind of holding its body up, and then this part of its body was moving it, mm-hmm. and it was so weird. Mm-hmm. And it moved, and it kept its head, and it watched me until it got to the side of the trail in the and then it took off. brush, and then it just disappeared. Yeah, so- but I imagined it in my head with two little knives going, hey. <laughs> I just want to figure out a- where those knives would be coming from. <laughs> I but mean, that's, no, that's the thing. Snakes, by and large, they don't want you to fuck with them. They just want to hang out. And, and like, so you, if you run up on them, you just leave them alone. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, fine. it was fine. It just, <laughs> like it, had, it had switchblades <laughs> in my head and it was making that sound. <laughs> I always feel like, I always feel like snakes should have arms. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> so... <laughs> have to click Am myself. I the only one? No, I mean, no. And, and in my head, their <laughs> arms are tiny. You know the funny They're thing tiny, is? skinny little I'm just arms. sitting here and I'm thinking, snakes with arms, that's lizards, Jen, that's lizards. Not legs. I know, and that's where I'm Just going. arms. <laughs> because, well, you know, whatever, oh, their tail can be their legs. Oh, Jesus. All right. We're, I have gone so off track. Yeah. So anyway. Okay, so we're... Smothering. So, so far we have the blob. Smothering and, and horror films. We have and then Wolverine. Wolverines and wild animals. But the thing that I think... So I mentioned earlier that I was very introverted. Like, just incredibly, incredibly turned inward. Like, I... I People talk all the time about, Oh, I'm an introvert and I need to go home and recharge. And I'm like, even today... Little Brittany would look at me and be like, you're an amateur mm-hmm. at being an introvert because this, th- this child was really turned in. And I know that you spend a good portion of your life in fear. And I know that I did too, but my reaction was to find a safe spot and then don't leave it mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And for me, leaving it meant people. Mm-hmm. If I had to interact with people other than my direct family and a handful of close, trusted friends, that was where the scary part came in. Mm-hmm. And it was nonstop anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think I have maybe, no, I can't even think of any, any happy memories when I was at school at all. There were ones that were mellow and you know all that. But for, for me, it was constant anxiety until I was able to leave and not have to be in the presence of people anymore. I like to observe people. Was that 
I don't like to be among them. Was that, um, was that because the, the, you, you were afraid of everyone? Was that, I mean, there were people you liked, you had friends. I feel like, um, the, the way I look at it now is I did not trust people. Even your friends? I, yes. So my family and one or two close friends. Yeah. Like I had a handful of friends and even the ones that I considered my friends, there were maybe one or two of them that I would completely trust. So I didn't trust them not to hurt me. I didn't trust them to have my best interests. Mm -hmm. I just thought not necessarily that they were out to get me, but that people in general were careless, selfish, unpleasant. Which is... (laughs) Yes, I know. But but for me, to be a child that age and to have such ingrained trust issues... I just am kind of like what whatever Well you were born not trusting and I was born afraid. So yes. I don't know <laughs> yeah, broken <laughs> what somehow. we were dipped I don't know. in. But um so for me to be able to create my own worlds and tell my own stories and stay in my safe spot, that was that was it. So for me, and I know that's not what this this saying actually is about, but for me literally hell was other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I I loved people. Mm-hmm. I liked hearing about them. I liked watching stories about them. I liked writing about them. I did not ever want to have to interact with them. And so for me, I would do everything in my power to never be noticed. Mm-hmm. So for me, astral projecting would have been just the most fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. And it should have been for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... You know, my my stories about things that absolutely terrified me were things where... Um, like the the whole, we've lived in some snowy places in our lives, and um, there was one time that I was walking. I don't even remember why I was walking around the side of the school the way that I was um, to get into the building. But um, I don't know if somebody who didn't know me as well had dropped me off in a place that was unusual. But I was walking around the back side of the middle school, and there was a group of boys who I was like, oh, shit, there's like three or four middle school boys, and everybody knows that middle school boys are shitty. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, I was in band. Of course I was. Um, Very, very academically, I don't know, crazy, (laughs) I guess you could say. So I had backpack, I had lunch, I had flutes. I was like, if I can just get past these guys without them saying anything shitty to me, then it'll be fine. And I remember I walked, I was walking past them and hit like one of the smallest ice patches ever in the entire world. And anybody who knows me knows I can find that crack to trip on, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. ice to slip on, that hole to fall in. I am the one. To some degree, that's a land thing, but Brittany has it nailed. I am, I am <laughs> adept. Um, so I slipped, and not just slipped, I epically fell, and everything I was holding went in a different direction. Flute one way, lunch the other way, backpack, you know, I just, and flat on my back. And I remember lying there and thinking, this is the prime moment for like a John Hughes film sort of thing to mm-hmm. happen um, for them to say the, like the worst shitty thing. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is for as bad as it was, mm-hmm. I was grateful for them to just clap <laughs> and walk away. <laughs> I hate this story. <laughs> I, I 
think it's hilarious because I was lying there in this ice puddle just thinking, oh, thank God. (laughs) Thank God. It's still sad. I know. I mean, it's not like... I survived, Jen. You did. Anyway, for me, that was probably my biggest fear was having to be among my peers. (laughs) Oh. So that, I mean, that's pretty much where I was. I told you it wouldn't be funny. You get so wounded. <laughs> well, I mean, some of some of them are funny. I mean, not all of the topics are going to be as intense as childhood fears, right? right. So, but, but we they, found the humor. No, I, I, and wolverines. And here's the thing that we need to stress. Snakes with arms. <laughs> and maybe it was just, so one of the things about me, I may have had a lot of fears and been a very afraid youth into part of my adulthood. Um, but I've always been intensely optimistic. Mm -hmm. I've always been. And, and I think it, it came from, um, we had a lot of realists in our family and I don't want to say pessimists because I don't believe they were pessimistic about it. It was just, they were very real about what was happening at any given time. But I always had to compensate by, you know, finding the good in what was happening and then talk about how it was going to get better. And that was another one of my defense mechanisms. So I think the way that I always looked at things was, yeah, I had these weird fears, but I think from the outside, people didn't see me that way. I think that, you know, the kids that I was friends with and the kids that I went to school with just saw me as just another kid that was... I certainly I think that we all stood out definitely in a way because we were very quirky and we were very the way we thought and the way that we approached things. I feel like honestly, a lot more people than we are um, actually comprehending have similar experiences to this. Oh, for sure. um, There is that weird thing that they were afraid of that they didn't want to talk talk about or. Maybe they had their little nook with their toasted coconut and had their existential <laughs> thoughts. We don't know this. Do you but- know what else I did when I sat in that little nook? So the built-in bookshelf also had records mm-hmm. that were kind of down where I was sitting, and I would pull the records out, and I would imagine that there was a class of people listening to me, and I would tell stories based on the records. Mm. And for some reason... A lot of the stories centered around Jesus, but it wasn't like the Christian Jesus. It was like there was a lot of dance involved. So my Jesus. Well, yeah, it was more like (laughs) a free spirit kind of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, he'd hang out with his unicorns. Yeah, yeah. And and Mary, his mother, and for some reason he and his mother (laughs) would like kick it all the time. Oh, sure. And like. Hey, I hang with my son. And, and like have choreographed dances and like, 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 um, dinners with various people. Why were we so weird? I don't know. But, but, but the random people that I would put in to the dinners with Jesus and Mary, you know, like WC Fields and cause our parents. Okay. Yeah, that is that again, I expected anything (laughs) other than WC Fields. For some reason, I really liked WC Fields when I was a kid, and I really liked Laurel and Hardy. So Laurel and Hardy and Jesus actually hung out a lot in my stories. (laughs) So I'm going to have to, I I might have to draw that. I mean, 
I always felt like it was respectful of Jesus in, you know, maybe, maybe if you asked her to traditional Christian, they wouldn't agree, but I always felt like I was giving Jesus his best life. Well, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. That's what we always talk about with when we talk about Brutonese Jesus is yeah. my Jesus is like, he has his best life. He's like super chill and he really likes people and yeah. he wants people to be happy. And he has these, like this herd of whacked out unicorns and yeah. likes to ride a bike. Yes. I mean, seriously, this Jesus is yes. the best Jesus. So our mother... Um, acquired this pillow. Um, oh my somebody God. gave it to her. It is so fucking amazing. And it's got, it's got Jesus. It's got a picture of Jesus. It's like a drawing of Jesus in a, in a field of pink flowers. And he has lambs. Is it lambs? I he has with him? I think it's I don't lambs. think he has lambs with him. I don't think he has anything with him. He's just sitting in a field of flowers. Oh, that's true. Sorry, I'm mixing laughing things his up. ass off. Yeah, he's just hanging out in this field of flowers, kind of staring at the sky and, and, and like, having a good laugh, which I think is oh my amazing. God. So laughing. And my mother told Brittany not- that she could have this pillow. Yes. When we went to see my mother a couple of weeks ago, I saw the pillow still sitting in her room, and I said, Mom, I thought you were giving that pillow to Brittany. You were there, but I don't know if you heard her. She said, I don't know. I kind of don't want to put him up to ridicule, even if it's a silly pillow. I am not ridiculing him. That's the thing. And that's what I told her. I said, do you really think... Do you really think that that's where Brittany is going with this? And I don't think she understands that this is a genuine thing, that Brittany has love in her heart for her version of Jesus. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> it's like, he's he's just like this chill guy. My version of Jesus is the best. Yeah. He just like loves everyone and everything and he's just totally accepting of you no matter what happens like he And he would judge. totally look at that picture and be like that is the dumbest picture of me you guys but also the best. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't so think So we need to somehow get her there. She's freaking she's never going to understand my version of Jesus, so I guess I'm just going to have to act all respectful to the pillow. <laughs> I don't know because well, I, mean, I need that pillow in my life. I don't think you would be disrespectful to I'm the pillow, not. is what I'm saying. Like, that's what I mean. Like, but how do you, also, how do you disrespect a pillow? I think she needs me to venerate that pillow, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so, I, just, I don't know where we're going with this. All I say is, there's a story in that pillow, yeah. and we just told it. Yeah. So. Are you done with your... Yeah, that okay. was it. I am not afraid of Jesus. That was the end of my story. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've come up with a theme for the next time. Yes. Um, I certainly don't have to come up with the theme every time. Sure. But I have one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going to tell it to you now. And, and you can send in whether you have a story about the one we just told. Yes. Or the next one. I would love to hear about your childhood fears. Mm-hmm. Normal, abnormal, you know what? This is truly a safe space. I just told you about my fear of astral projection. So and you can hit me with whatever. And Jesus pillow. I mean, so. let's, be, let's be clear. I'm not afraid of snakes with arms. No. I, I want snakes to have arms. But this is a safe place to talk about those things. It's true. Um, so, so hit us up with that. 
Um, you want to give the email address again right now, and then we'll give it again yes. at the very end? Yes. So our email address, if you want to, I mean, you can send comments, or you can send suggestions or questions, and then definitely send any kind of um, stories that you have on these topics. Um, it's you got stories. That's Y O U got stories all smooshed together at gmail.com. And to be clear, if you don't feel that you are a writer, you don't have to write the story down in the, you can, um, but you can just say you have a story and this is basically what it's about. And then, you know, we can contact you to, to talk to you about it, to see if, if there's a story to tell on the podcast in the future, or you can write it. Um, so next time's theme is going to be grandparents, grandparents and whatever. Oh yeah. However you want to interpret that, whatever story you might have about grandparents. Oh, I got, I got some stories here. It's going to be interesting when there are things like grandparents, what kind of overlap you and I are going to have. And we have we have some colorful relatives in on both sides of the family. Yeah. So this will be it will be interesting. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And and you know what? Um I mean, clearly when when the topic is childhood fears, when it when you're Gen Land, you know immediately what you're gonna talk about. But <laughs> typically one would hope. <laughs> but when I thought of grandparents, I actually, you know, that immediately I, I have a couple of different stories that come to mind, but I don't have a particular story that I want to tell, and that's why I came up with grandparents. I kind of want it to be more organic like that, so that's why... Like how grandma always put you in a bonnet? Yeah. <laughs> she was afraid for my skin, and actually I appreciate that yes. now. I hated the bonnet when I was but a little why, kid, but... why did I grow out of the bonnet and you got the bonnet? Why were there not multiple bonnets? I think... Maybe it was because I was more fair, like, hair-wise. Maybe. I have theories. Um, But, so, y'all, another thing that you could email to us is ideas for themes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Love to hear that. If you have a story in particular that you would like to share and you have an idea of a theme around that, it doesn't have to match a theme we've come up with because... We're going to have to come up with lots of themes. Let's oh, yeah. be real. So We could talk for days. It's true. It's very true. That's what we're good at. Um, so I think, I think that yeah, about that does it. it. So you, you, you got... You feel good? You yeah. feel validated and... I do. I do. I feel like, I feel like me and, and that I love my version of Jesus and yeah. it's good. Wolverines um, and I, I do not like them as much, yeah. although I'm better about them now yeah. these days. Uh, you got stories at gmail.com. This is the sister's land. Send us your shiz. And we are signing off. Bye. Peace.